In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all those up through the 12th grade please come forward. Can you do it? Oh, you did it. Way to go. It worked for you. Good one. Good morning. How's everybody? So the greatest commandment, Jesus said, is what? Do you remember? The greatest commandment is to uh, uh, love. love. Love your neighbor. As love you the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, soul, mind, strength, and then love your neighbor, neighbor as yourself. So God, God commands us to love him. That's like saying, all right, I command you, you love me. Maybe. See, that's not what God is really saying, is it? God is, number one, he's shown us how much he loves us. First of all, by creating us, by creating this wonderful, good world. And there's a lot of bad in this world, but God didn't make the bad. But he created this wonderful, good world for us to live in. And he created us to be in it because he loves us for that reason, because he loves us. And he wants us to love him back. He doesn't want to pull the strings like a puppet. All right, I'm going to make you love me now. <laughs> no, he wants our turn. And, and so I tell you this because we are right in the middle of what we call our stewardship season. Stewardship is really a year-long thing, but... But we're talking especially about stewardship and especially about money because we're putting our budget together for next year. But the reason we give to God is because God first gave to us and continues to give to us. And in order for us to learn how to love God, we learn how to give back to God because he first gave to us. Because love is not just something you think about. Love is something we do. Love is an action as well. And so when I learn, if, if, if I were to keep everything I have, all, all my money, all my house, my cars, everything, it's all mine, 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 mine. Is that right? Is that good? Does that sound like it's all about love? But what if I were to give a portion of that? God, you know, you've, I've got all this wonderful stuff and I, 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 I think I should give you some of it back, Lord, because you, you helped me best. Number one, you created me. You love me. And so I give some back to you. Now, the, the Bible is pretty clear about 10%. But the people who give different things, some people give 25%. There are some people who give 90% and they keep 10 there are some people who give 2% and keep 98%. So it's, it's, it's what you and God consider to be right in your heart. 
And so we give, we give back to God, and in our case during this stewardship season, in pledges, we give back to God. We pledge to give to God because God first loves us. And we want to show him our love. God doesn't need what we have. God doesn't need our money. But God appreciates that because, because it shows that we love him back. That we don't try to keep everything for ourselves. That we give back to God. And so I want to encourage each one of you, whether it be 10% or 1%, whatever it is that you might get for allowance or anything else, to learn how to start giving back to God. Now, we, we know that the church is the body of Christ. Our responsibility as the church, as the body of Christ, as the hands and feet of Jesus, is to reach out to the world and bring people to Jesus. And yes, that takes money. And so if you're able to give 1% or half of or 10%, whatever it is, if you can give, and some of you already do, if you give just a little bit back to God, I promise you, your heart is going to begin to change. It's going to be t begin to turn even more toward God because you're being aware that you are giving back to God. So think about that, okay? Think about that. I'm serious. Really think about that and, 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 and pray about that and see what God might want you to do, what he asks you to do to give. Um, yes, it pays our bills. That's, that's one, of, one of the things it does. But the most important thing is it helps you to love God more with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And it even helps to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? All right. All right, thank you for coming up. And you can grab a packet over there from Miss Beth and, um, and if you would like to. And I'm going to... Thank you. I am not preaching today. Yay! Um, as is our custom every year, I invite two people to come forward to talk about their stewardship um, for seven minutes each. And, and so I've, I've asked two people. Uh, well, the first one is Wade. Wade over here, Fennel. And then I'm going to ask Martha Rodebout to come right after him. So Wade, if you'll come forward and and um, tell us your story and, and how God is working in your life. And thank you for doing it, both of you. you. Listen to your heart. I'll say it again. Listen to your heart. Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines stewardship as, first, the office, duties, and obligations of a steward. And secondly, the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. In terms of religious stewardship, what has God entrusted to me? What does he expect of me to do his will by being a good steward of my time, talent, and treasures? I am on a stewardship walk. Are you? Does your stewardship walk mirror your walk with Christ? Should it? I believe it does, and I think Father Stan would agree. 
I must provide a disclaimer up front. I am absolutely a work in progress. I have come a long way, but I still have a ways to go. Just a bit of background. I was born and raised in Western Venezuela, the youngest of five children, two girls followed by three boys. My father was a commanding oil industry engineer and my mother was a devoted old school homemaker who was at the same time very elegant, her Boston upbringing maybe. I was not brought up in the church. Though my mother was raised Episcopalian and my sisters attended a private all-girls Episcopal high school in Vicksburg, Mississippi, my immediate family and I were not churchgoers, not even on Christmas or Easter. Admittedly, I was not aware of any Episcopal slash Anglican churches where we lived in Venezuela. I didn't start attending church on a regular basis until shortly after I met my bride-to-be, Valerie, in 1982. It was clear early on that any future with Valerie was going to require regular church attendance. In terms of my walk with Christ and my stewardship, I was in my infancy. When someone spoke from the pulpit about money, I was very leery and was not inclined to listen. Our church was small, and as such, the opportunities to serve were limited and often occupied by long-standing members. I was never asked to serve, nor did I seek opportunities to serve. In 1992, after moving to Houston and finding a church, I was asked to serve. First as an usher, then a Sunday school teacher, and later as a lead for one of the yard crews. Mark Dremus and Jeff Music will remember that. <laughs> Valerie and I became more involved in the church, which felt good. But in terms of money, I was in my rebellious teenage years. I had thoughts of, how much does a church really need? If I donate a little bit above the average donations, that should be good enough. If I serve more, can I donate less? Is the expectation 10% of your adjusted gross income or is after taxes. I did start to mature during my time at this church and shortly before leaving it, God put it on my heart to redirect our entire normal annual pledge to a small church on the south side of Houston. We received a letter from the rector the following week, which read, and I quote, Dear Wade and Valerie, I want to write and express my deepest gratitude for your recent visit and generosity to Christ the King Church. I have to tell you that earlier this summer we had a very large repair bill on one of the main AC units for the sanctuary right in the middle of the heat wave. And in the process of paying for it, got one month behind on our assessment and missionary asking to the diocese. Our vestry and treasurer have been stewing for two months about how we were going to get caught up. I've been saying to them, God will provide what we need. Just wait and see. Anyway, last Sunday, the treasurer came up to me and said, you were right. Someone named Fennel just put a check in the plate for exactly what we needed. My point is that your visit and your generosity came in exactly God's timing for us, for which we should not be surprised. Please know that I remain your servant and I give thanks to God for the past for the part that you and your family have in the ongoing life of this church. 
With every best wish, I am faithfully yours, the Reverend Richard H. Johnson, missionary. What an awesome feeling it was for me to know that God had used Valerie and I for his purpose. Many of you are familiar with the Kendrick Brothers Christian-based movies. Fireproof, Facing the Giants, Courageous, War Room, and the lesser-known Flywheel. Flywheel was their first production and was created as an Easter promotional for their church, Sherwood Baptist, in 2003. It is an American Christian drama film about the unexpected pitfalls that a used car salesman or car dealer can expect to experience if he suddenly goes honest. Jay Austin, played by Stephen Kendrick, wants to sell used cars in the worst way, and that's exactly how he does business at his dealership. Promising much more than he can deliver, he'll do whatever it takes to sell a car. His manipulative ways permeate all of his relationships. Even his wife and son know they can't trust him. But as Jay works on restoring a classic convertible, he begins to see what God is working on restoring him. He begins to see what, that God is working on him as well. Coming face to face with the reality of how he truly conducts himself, Jay Austin begins the ride of his life as he commits to honoring God with his business, his relationships, and his life. There's a scene in the movie where he and his wife discover that the amount of money he had cheated out of his customers was exactly the amount of money to the penny that he was able to collect through his subsequent honest sales. Jay was taken aback and he knew that he had done the right thing and was getting right with God. In 2009, in the midst of the financial crisis, God put it on my heart to make an added donation to the church in the hopes of aiding a parishioner or two in financial need. Two weeks later, Valerie's mother, not knowing what we had done, delivered us a check in the exact same amount. I tell you, I didn't know what to do. Give it back, donate it to the church as well, keep it or something else. Regardless, it was still a confirmation for me that our donation was the right thing to do, that it was what God wanted us to do. In 2014, at the memorial service for Valerie's mother, God put it on my heart to donate that same amount to her old church in New Orleans. I didn't know until afterwards, but their AC units had been recently vandalized. Valerie and I seemed destined to help out small churches with AC problems. <laughs> but yet again, two months later, that exact same amount was again returned to us in the form of a totally, totally unexpected college scholarship for our youngest daughter, Lauren. God knows what people respond to. He knows that I respond to numbers. I look for meaning in all kinds of numbers, addresses, phone numbers, bank account numbers, sports jersey numbers, all kinds of numbers. What do you respond to? These events with exact numbers made a huge impact in my faith walk. Father Stan tells me these events happen all the time. Today, I very much enjoy stewardship talks from the pulpit or anywhere else. What new twist will the speaker come up with? How will they remind their audience of the biblical tithe from the Old Testament? Will they also bring up that the New Testament notes that we should give all that we have? Will they mention that the Bible contains more than 2,300 verses on money, wealth, and possessions, and that 11 of Jesus' 39 parables were about money? 
It was, it was his most talked about topic. How will they incorporate the time and talents aspect of stewardship? I've often wondered if we should contribute 10% of our time, is it wake time or total time? <laughs> I am currently in the first year of my third three-year term on St. Timothy's Vestry. For those who might not know, the Vestry here is a 13-member group which includes Father Stan, responsible primarily for the day-to-day -day business aspects of the church. With the exception of Father Stan, each member serves a three-year term. I'm also a member of the Finance Committee and have been for many years. I know how serious the members of these two groups take the responsibility of being good stewards of the money that is entrusted to them to manage for God's purposes. For me, I break it down into two simple questions. Are we doing God's work here at St. Timothy's? And if yes, how much more can we do with more funding? If you regularly pledge, thank you. If, you, if not, please consider it if you are financially able. Listen to your heart. If you ask, and sometimes even if you don't, God will put the number on your heart. Either way, it will be the right number. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Wade. Much appreciated. And now I invite Martha Rodeval, one of our other faithful members of the parish, who is also the treasurer of our parish, to come forward. Thank you, Martha. Good morning. <clears throat> Again, my name is Martha Rodebaugh, and I am serving as treasurer for St. Timothy's. And I have been attending St. Timothy's for approximately 11 years now. I would like to tell you that my story of stewardship is like a Danny Thomas story, that at one point in my life, I gave it all, that I had given a remarkable sacrifice, and then God had rewarded me for my faithfulness. But that's not my story. My parents migrated from Mexico when I was about five years old. My father was a Baptist, my mother a Catholic. Due to this conflict, we did not attend church. If we did, it was just Easter and Christmas. My father had a sixth grade education. My mother had a first grade education. Consequently, we were financially and spiritually poor. When we gave to the church, it was a meager amount. Not like the widow in the Bible, they put in her two coin, copper coins, and in doing so, put everything. No, in our poverty, we managed to just give him meager amounts, the crumbs from our tables. We, twice, we tithe twice a year, our spare change. That's how I grew up, and that's how I would tithe. I would literally tithe the spare change in my purse. Putting something in the offering plate was an afterthought. More an affirmatory gesture when the offering plate was passed. There were seasons in my life as an adult when I would attend church more frequently than just Easter and Christmas. 
by virtue of attending church more often, I would tithe more often. It would double, quadruple. But my tithe was still just spare change. It was never a sacrifice, never asking God for guidance. That was my free will offering, my spare change. The first time I attended St. Timothy's during stewardship season, I thought to myself, he's not talking to me, I'm not a member. I would tithe, but I did not pledge. As I began to attend church on a regular basis, I had to examine my tithing. I slowly started to give more than just my spare change. I was no longer giving whatever I found at the bottom of my purse. My tithing was more deliberate. Yet, there was still something not quite right with my tithing. I would justify the tithe to myself. This is the money that I would have burned a hole in my pocket. This is the money that I would have blown frivolous, on frivolous things. Why did I have to justify the tithe to myself? This is money that I felt I was throwing away. Money that I spent on mortgage, clothes, food, utilities, all had a purpose. What did this benefit me? My tithing was still lacking. Several stewardship seasons passed and I was still wrestling in my heart with the right amount to tithe. I decided 10%. After all, it's in the Bible, right? This is what God asks for. I began to give my 10%. Not my household income, my 10th percent. <laughs> so I was not putting everything in, but now I had taken a leap of faith. It was no longer the spare change, no longer money burning a hole in my pocket. It was more deliberate and more noticeable. I was still pledging, but I would not, I was still tithing, but I would not pledge. And I could no longer say to myself, he's not talking to me, I'm not a member. <laughs> but I still dared not commit. Then I got a phone call from Father Stan, something to the effect of what I consider pledging. He wouldn't hold my feet to the fire if I didn't meet my target. <laughs> so finally I asked the right question to the right person. God, what do I do? How much should I pledge? You see, the problem with this story is that he had already blessed me. He had already given me more than I deserved. Even before I became a member at St. Timothy's, even before I attending church more than just on Easter and Christmas, he had blessed me. He had blessed me before I knew him as King of Kings. He had already blessed me. For many years, my tithing was inadequate. For many years, I did not even recognize the blessings that God had bestowed on me. It took me a long time to realize that all the blessings I had were because of him. My tithing was so discombobulated with the blessings my father had given. So now when you ask me why I tithe, I tithe because I found favor with God, even before I deserved his favor. Thank you. Thank you, Martha. Thank you.
thank both of you for being at these services and telling your story. It um, means a lot. Uh, we will be sending out our stewardship letter and pledge card in the mail tomorrow. Uh, and, and our in-gathering Sunday is not next week, which is All Saints Sunday, uh, but the following week, November the 12th. And we have two services on that day, 7.30 and 10 o'clock, followed by a parish family Thanksgiving dinner, also celebrating our veterans on that weekend, also uh, having Father Jake Stum here to preach from ARDF, Anglican Relief and Development Fund, also to uh, dedicate, bless the outreach shed that we have now finished. So all that going on on that day. And so we simply ask that maybe you, in these two weeks, uh, pray where the, that the Lord might lead you uh, to um, what, what the answer is for you to be able to give for his kingdom's sake here to St. Timothy's Anglican Church. So um, be praying. Cards will come November 12th. Uh, we will have our in-gathering service. If you can't be here that day, bring them early or later and, or mail them in or whatever you can do. But we would very much appreciate it.